Hey, good Thursday afternoon to you. Gabe DeArmond here with PowerMizzou.com. That is me on one side of your screen. On the other side of your screen soon will be Anthony Dasher talking about the Georgia Bulldogs. But right now is Stuart Eastman. He is your financial advisor in Columbia, Missouri with Edward Jones. When it comes to your financial future, it's important to work with somebody who takes time to understand you and your individual situation. Stuart's going to take a step-by-step approach to identify your goals, develop specific strategies, and and help you achieve them. Get in touch with Stuart today. They're at 573-817-3108. If you are bad at remembering numbers, I only read, you know, 10 of them. Hopefully you can remember them. But if not, his picture is going to be on the screen. The entire show here while we are talking to Anthony Dasher from UGASports.com. And Dash, do you want to do the long version of this show or the short version of this show? Because I think we can get the short version done in about 25 seconds. <laughs> Oh, let's go long version, Gabe. I got plenty of time today. <laughs> okay, perfect. We're gonna we're gonna do the long version. Um, the first thing I want to ask you is, what was your reaction when you saw? I guess it was probably last Sunday afternoon. Georgia, approximately a thirty-eight point favorite over Missouri this weekend. I was surprised. Uh, I don't believe that Georgia was even that much of a favorite over Vanderbilt. Yeah. Uh, like five weeks ago, but yeah, no, no question. That 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 line just kind of hits you right in the head, and you kind of wonder, you know. I know Georgia's really, really good, but man, that's a lot of points. That is a lot of points, especially a lot of points for a team whose mo is not necessarily we beat you because we score a million points, right? I mean, I don't yeah. want to take away from Georgia's offense because I don't think it gets as enough credit, and we'll talk some about it, but. Their MO is just to kind of suffocate you. I've I've picked against them a couple times on our show because I just thought, well, they're going to get up by like 21 points and then they're just going to sit on somebody and you might be vulnerable to a backdoor cover or something. I mean, mm-hmm. 38 points, man. I, I heard somewhere that's the biggest line in an SEC game in five years. And don't get me I wrong, I think Georgia's good and I think Missouri's not very good, but still surprised me. It is surprising. And, you know, Georgia, like I said, has some big lines before and, uh, they, you know, to their credit, they have covered most of those games. And I think it's just two of them they have not covered. But like I said, that if I, if I was putting my money down to Las Vegas, Arrows or whatever, man, I'd, I would be scared to death. To, I don't care if it's Georgia or whoever. And in a conference game, that's just that's just a ton of points to be thrown out and, uh, and feel confident that you're going to you know, cover well. that. Good good advice so far this year has been if you are putting your money down on a Missouri game, put it down on the team that Missouri is playing because they are the only team in the country to be 0-8 against the spread so far this season. Uh, Clemson should have joined them but had a wild touchdown for a cover at the end of the game. So, um, like, before we get into kind of specifics about this Georgia team, you've been covering them for a long time. Is this the best Georgia team you've seen? Uh, I think it's the best defense I've seen. I'm not sure if I'm ready to go and say it's the best Georgia team because the 2017 team that made the national championship was pretty good. The 2012 team, you know, that lost Alabama in the SEC championship on the, uh, you know, final play of, of the game where Georgia had the ball inside of the five was a, a very, very good team as well. And some of the team, uh, Bart Ricks early, early years were, were pretty good as well. But defensively, especially this front seven, when you're talking about, you know, overall talent, Depth. Yes, I think this is the best Georgia defense I've seen in 25 years I've been covered. And again, Georgia's had some great defensive players in you know, over the years. I mean, Richard Seymour, Parker Stroud, you know, David Pollock are just a, just a, just a few. But as far as like, you know, depth goes at each position, this is the best that I've seen them have. 
Jordan Davis is the guy that gets, I, I think, most of the individual headlines. Obviously, he's kind of a freak show up there. Is he individually the best player on this defense, do you think? Or, or is there somebody that should be getting more attention? For what he does, I think he is the best player on the defense. Because, I mean, it's just, you know, it's not about how many tackles or sacks or whatnot. It's the fact that he is just, uh, just taking up so much space with that defensive front. He's able to take on double and triple teams. That enables your defensive ends, your linebackers to, to, to go out and, and make plays. Uh, Grant, he's, he's a very talented kid. I think I, we, I may have spoken to you before about in, in the UAB game. You know, their quarterback, UAB took, quarterback took a – took off uh, from, from the mid-hash about the 45-yard line, wherever it was, and Jordan rained down from the sideline, come out a 350-pound man, chasing down the quarterback. And it's just probably one to play that just kind of epitomizes you know, what he's, his, his capabilities. And, but, again, he's, he's, a, he's a super, super player. Uh, there are some other guys on the team, Nolan Smith. I mean, Trayvon Walker, I think, is a freaking defensive end. Jalen Carter, defensive tackle, is probably the strongest player on the team, even stronger than Jordan. Uh, maybe not get doesn't get quite as much pressure. This is a team's got a lot of lot of very very good yeah. defensive players. Not just about Jordan Davis. If you had to guess, and I'm talking not just the starters, but guys that play on this Georgia defense, how many NFL draft picks do they have? Oh gosh. <sighs> I mean, are we talking, talking like double digits? Yeah, I, I know. When you're talking about the, the starters, anyway, the starting front seven. Yeah, there's no doubt. Every one of those guys is going to get picked. I mean, at some you know some point whenever they happen to come out, and in the secondary, you're you're talking. You know, Lewis Seen, I think, is a surefire draft pick. You know, Darian Kendrick, who came over from Clemson, is going to be a, a pick. Kelly Ringo, he's a, just a retro freshman, former five-star, one of the best players in the country two years ago. He's going to get picked. So, uh, yeah, as far as the players I've got on this team right now, who are going to be NFL draft picks. You're probably looking 15, 16, somewhere along those lines. They've got a ton. So if you were to devise a game plan of, hey, what's the best way to like, stay somewhat close to this Georgia team, I assume what you would want to do is have probably a freshman or redshirt freshman quarterback making his first career start, right? That would be the ideal <laughs> scenario if you're on the other yeah, side. Yeah, that, that would be perfect. That would be perfect. I'm sure that's what Coach Rinkert has in mind there. But, but, you know, it's like any other team, any other, you know, plan going in you, you won't have some kind of i won't say success running the ball but just be a have a threat have a be a factor running the ball somewhat consistently you know we have really yet to see this year a team be able to pass pro uh, against this against this defense and 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 if that can happen then we'll see uh, i i still wonder sometimes if a quarterback does have time to throw and they hit georgia some quick slants and quick quick shots i mean keep the defense on its heels for example uh, what what would happen? Uh, but um, again, nobody's got that chance. It's just they're, they're getting so much pressure on the other quarterback. I mean, even with a three man or four man rush, I mean, it's not like they're blitzing every single play. They're not. They, they don't blitz much at all. Mm-hmm. They're just able to put this defensive line just to completely dominate the other teams of opposing you know offensive lines, and that's just uh, just making things so much more easier for this whole team defensively. I've said, and I, tell me what you think of this. I know it sounds kind of defeatist, but it, look, this is just where Missouri is. If I'm Eli Drinkwitz, I'm coming into this game and I'm going, I'm going to hand the ball to Tyler Beatty 35 times. And if that ends up being 42 total yards, whatever. But there are a lot worse things that can happen against this Georgia team than simply run the ball three times and punt it. I, I mean, honestly, that's – I don't want to call that a win, but it's not a loss for Missouri's offense. I, I think you keep the clock running and you hope to get a turnover or yeah. maybe Tyler Bra- yeah. Beatty breaks one at some point, but the fewer possessions be. in this game, the better. 
Yeah, that might be, but like I said, I mean, I mean, when I say nobody's run the ball on this team, nobody has run the ball on this team. I mean, Chris Rodriguez at Kentucky you know, came into that game as the SEC leading rusher. Oh, Missouri knows him, yeah. Over 700 yards and, you know, and, and was just doing all these great things against Georgia. He had uh, seven carries for seven yards. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm – I mean, in Florida last week, you know, uh, Pierce had a, had a you know, running back had a, had a few good tough runs inside. But overall, again, uh, they just were able to, to snuff the, the Gators running game down, which is, again, what they have done to everybody they played thus far. Yeah, I mean – I, look, Georgia has given up 53 points this season. Missouri gave up 62 to Tennessee. Like, and that was in like three quarters. So, um, you know, maybe maybe I'm talking myself into this 38-point line. I understand it a little more. So, yeah. look, we know that um, fans are fans everywhere, right? And no matter how good it is, there's always something that's not good enough. And uh, despite being the quarterback of an undefeated number one team in the country – like, I don't really get the sense that Stetson Bennett has won everybody over because this is a video game and they should they should not only get a stop every possession, they should also score every possession. Well, I won't start out by saying that, you know, you ask about Georgia's offense. Georgia right now is, I think, it's third SEC in scoring offense, offense almost, almost 39 points, points per game. game. But, but you're right, Stetson Bennett, uh, it was up to, I think, the majority of our readers on UGA Sports, JT Daniels would be the quarterback. JT Daniels is a former five-star. He's six foot three, 225 pounds, has a rocket right arm, can throw the ball, you know, 60, 70 yards. Justin Bennett, five foot 11. He's 195, a former walk-on two-star. Uh, and despite the fact that he's led Georgia to five straight wins, convincing wins, you know, the likes of, you know, Arkansas, Auburn on the road, I mean, Florida, I mean, it's what that other guy potentially could do against uh, your Alabamas or whoever they might happen to face in the playoffs is what has a lot of Georgia fans right now concerned that Kirby Smart is not playing the right guy right now. Like, we hear the term game manager, though. To me, the game manager here is Kirby Smart. Like, why? You don't have to do anything to score 47 points a game because you never give up 14. But, but, but Georgia, Georgia fans will come back and say, well, what, what if that, that does not happen? What if uh, Alabama scores yeah. 40 points, you need to score 41? What if Oklahoma scores 42, you need to 43? Can Stetson Bennett be that guy to, uh, to, to lift the team? But again, Stetson, I mean, he's just a very good quarterback. He gets, he gets, like, he gets a bum rap for not having a good arm. He can throw the ball 55, 60 yards in the air. He hits yeah. the passes. I think eight of his touchdown passes have been for you know, 30 or more yards. He can throw the ball deep. What, what he brings that J.D. Daniels doesn't have is mobility. Last week against Florida, I mean, Georgia offense has, has, has not given up a ton of sacks. However, they are susceptible. I think last week, if J.D. had been quarterback, I think he might have been sacked more times in that game because of that mobility. He's able to escape trouble, roll left, roll right, pick up a few yards here and there for the run, but, but, but get out of trouble. And that's something, again, that J.D. doesn't do. I think that is a fear that Georgia coaches have that with their offensive line. So, I mean, it is inconsistent. I mean, I think people kind of forget, too, that we're talking about a team that has basically lapped the field. Everybody, th- I-, I think the gap between one and two might be bigger than the gap between like two and nine in college football this year. Playing with its backup quarterback and with a number one wide receiver who blew out his knee before the yeah. season even started, who's probably a first round draft pick. I mean, this team could be even better than the one we've seen, but everybody knows Zamir White. Everybody knows James Cook. Um, Georgia, for my money, I 
I'm sure somebody's going to disagree, but since I've been watching college football, I don't think there's a place that's turned out more running backs than Georgia. Um, and Missouri, I don't know if you guys have come across this in your research. The run defense seems not great. Um, you know, it is 130th out of 130 teams in the country. So I would imagine Kirby Smart's somewhat interested in running the ball at Missouri. Oh, oh no, no, no question about, about that. that. I think, uh, you look, look what, if you just, just based on what Missouri has given up, you know, running, running the ball this year, I'm, I'm sure he would be per- perfectly fine with just uh, lining up and just give the ball to Mr. Mr. White, Mr. Cook, Mr. McIntosh, and uh, Mr. Edwards, and kind of kind of go from there. But I, I do think that they do want the offense to have, to have a complete rhythm, you know, with the quarterback, and that's why I do think you'll see stats in order to if he just happened to play this ball game. You know, try to you know, try to take advantage of what you know what Missouri what Missouri's looks are showing and uh, have success throwing the ball as well. They do need to be a complete team. I mean, I think that much is obvious. Uh, you know, as they move forward into the SEC championship and the playoffs. But uh, again, it's the big argument for fans is which quarterback is the best one to make that happen. Okay, so that that kind of makes me change my mind on on my next question because what you're really talking about here is a Georgia team that. I mean, let's be honest. It's not so much about Saturday. It's about what do we do Saturday that helps us in four weeks. But my initial question was going to be setting the over-under at passes thrown by Georgia at nine and a half. It sounds like it will probably be over simply because, like, yeah. hey, we're, we're, not, we're not fighting for Saturday as much as we're fighting for January 12th or whatever that date is. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think you'll see Georgia throw the ball. You know, typically, that's been 21, 22, 23 times. I don't think it'll be even more than that. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean Georgia, some of Georgia's best weapons, weapons they've, they've got a couple of tight ends and Brock Bowers and Dorian you know, Washington, who were just, uh, just crazy good. I mean, Brock, Brock Bowers is he's going to be a professional all SEC. He's like 6'5", he's 230 pounds. They call him Brock Kowski right here. Playoff of LeBron, but... Uh, and, and you got uh, the Washington's like, like six, six foot seven, seven two hundred sixty-five pounds, and uh, it's like, like a left, left tackle that can run right. like four six. Well, hey, it's it, it's not hard to figure out why they're good, and it's not disrespectful to Kirby Smart. I'm, it's actually agreeing with Kirby Smart. When you get dudes like that, like I, you know, you you, you win a lot of games. Um, and I want to go a little bit kind of bigger picture after this one, but Missouri's. I don't want to say they can't win because everybody can win, um, but it, it, it's hard to see a world where where they pull the upset. But I think their only chance to make this even kind of interesting in the second half relies on somehow Georgia coming off this Florida game and maybe looking ahead to the rest of, hey, we've already got the East clinch, blah, blah, blah. And maybe it's just one of these days where they go, hey, man, we rolled the helmets out and we should be able to beat this team. Is that something that you think this team is at all susceptible to, or does Kirby Smart kind of prevent them from doing that? Previous years, I would have agreed with you 100% because I know since Kirby has been here, we've seen games where Georgia has stubbed its toe, you know, lose games they inexplicably, you know, things think happen sometimes. But this year, um, I, just don't, I just don't see it. This is a focus group. There's a lot of seniors, upperclassmen on this team. They know what's at stake. And I know Kirby doesn't like to talk about the number one ranking, et cetera, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. But this team knows they cannot afford a stump. And if you believe what the national folks are saying, if Georgia can just get to the SEC championship game undefeated, they're going to make the playoffs regardless if they you know, lose to Alabama or whoever or not. So they, they know what's at stake. There's a lot, a lot uh, this team uh, still knows it needs to get done. But looking ahead, uh, no, that's not going to happen, I don't believe. Yeah, I, I think – 
the second happiest person in America, and actually the happiest person because he might be happier about it than Nick Saban was to see Alabama rank number two is Kirby Smart. Because, like, it's, seriously, there's no penalty for losing that game, right? It's just are you no. the one seed or the two seed or the three seed? Um, yeah. If they get their 12-0, and 0, they're already in the playoff. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's something that I think everybody recognizes, and Kirby's never going to admit that or, mm-hmm. or use that as any kind of a you know, motivation. But uh, I mean, it's pretty, pretty plain to see. I think if Georgia finishes undefeated, you know, going to that, that championship game, they're getting in. Hey, I hate to ever say that a season is a failure if you don't <laughs> win a national title. But given the fact that it has been 41 years and Georgia has had some some chances that, that haven't happened – I've got to think anything less than winning the whole thing is going to be viewed by this fan base and, frankly, by the team as not really very worth it. Um, for, for the, the fan, fan base, base, I would definitely, definitely say that. that. I mean, it's like, like you said, that's, that's one thing that Georgia fans just cannot stand when some opposing the fan base brings up. It's been 41 years since they won a national championship. Uh, I know they were hoping maybe some of that the mojo for the Braves not winning it since 95 uh, was going to kind of rub off on them this year. They, yeah. The state of Georgia have a little – a little two, two two time celebration, celebration here, but uh, people are celebrating. You know, obviously celebrating celebrate rather the parade winning all Georgia ever winning all. And they make that that parade they're going to have Friday in, in Atlanta. But that, that was a shame. I promise you that. Yeah, I was. I, I mean, look, I've I've grown up around Mizzou and Kansas City pro sports, and like people like to talk about how there's a lot of curses here. Man, Atlanta's had some tough stuff in the last quarter century. <laughs> well, it was funny during the. Um, I think the, the game six today, ESPN was showing the, the Super Bowl between the Falcons and the Patriots when the Falcons blew the 27-3-point lead. So, uh, yeah, that was still a lot very fresh. A lot of folks, of course, the Hawks last year make it to the championship game, catch it series. series. But, but to lose that in Georgia, you know, 2017 loss in, in, the, in that past Alabama and the 2012 SEC championship game I referenced, or last play of the game on that. So the state of Georgia is definitely uh, – Kind of, kind of been behind a little bit as far as some of these, these titles go, but uh, the Braves uh, you know, broke their skin, and now we're going to see if the Bulldogs can do the same. Yeah. Um, what does Georgia have left after after Missouri? Well, well they, they, they go, go to Tennessee, Tennessee next week. Okay. And, and that's, that's uh, you know Tennessee's defense kind of in the same shape as, as Missouri, so I, I, don't, I don't see a, a situation. What, watch out for the mustard bottles, though. Yeah, exactly, and golf balls, stuff like that. And at least that game's at 3.30. It's not going to be a night game, so right. I think that's going to be Georgia pretty well. But after that, though, you're talking Charleston Southern and Georgia Tech. So, so that, that's, that's, you know, I don't need to say any more about, about those two contests. But really, the game Saturday and the game next week that's going to you know, determine whether or not Georgia makes the playoffs or not. Uh, yeah, and, and realistically, I, I mean, I you can't say it. I can say it. Georgia in the playoff. Just put them in. <laughs> they're, they're 12, Georgia's 12 and 0. Let's I like the chances. I, I will admit that I like the chances a lot right now. Yeah, let's go ahead and, and, and put them there. And um, it, look, just kind of last thing. I mean, I referenced Kirby's quote about the recruiting earlier. And when you look at this, I, I think people don't really understand. They have every bit recruited as well as Alabama over the last five years, potentially yeah. even better. This is. I mean, the only thing separating this program from Alabama is is holding that trophy because they've done absolutely every other thing Alabama's done. Yeah, that's, that's exactly, exactly right. right. I mean, it's 
What's that old cliche? It's all about the Jimmys and Joes, and that's exactly the case with Georgia. What they've done since Kirby Smart has been here, the talent level of this program right now is the best that I've ever seen. It's been that way for a couple of years now. I mean, you look at Georgia, it's finished number one in the rival recruiting for the last four years, and, and unless something very, very strange happens, they'll be number one again with this class they have uh, you know, coming in. So it's all about getting the athletes. I mean, sometimes like, I think coaches get too much credit. I mean, Grant, you need a head coach who knows what he's doing, but if you don't have the athletes, I don't care how good of a coach you are, it's not, not, not going to get done. And, and, and Georgia has, has got the athletes, they're, they're doing things with them, but they've they, 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 they just got to find a way to win some very big ball games that will be coming up. I think it almost works against Kirby nationally because he, he has all this talent and then he loses one game. And I think his reputation almost is that he's not as good a coach as he is simply because he's he's lost at the wrong time. And, it, like, I hear coaches' names come up for NFL jobs. You know, you hear – Hey, Dabo and uh, and Dan Mullen and some of these guys. I never really hear that about Kirby. I mean, is there like, is there any job that he would leave for, or is this dude just kind of at Georgia forever? I think yeah, I think he's at Georgia. I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not privy enough to know if the NFL team has you know, ever approached him. I don't, I don't see a situation with him being a Georgia guy. How much he loves university and he's getting paid as well as any coach in the country pretty much right now. I don't. I don't, I don't see why, why he would leave unless all of a sudden just uh, his, his fortunes ran out. out but, uh, you know, again, again based on how they're recruiting, recruiting you know, I don't really see that happening. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't really ask for predictions, and Missouri fans don't want to hear a score prediction on this one, but just give me a number. How many how many yards does Georgia run for on Saturday? Uh, about 320, 330. Okay. I would have gone so – I might have gone a little higher, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, think, I think, you'll, I think you'll see Georgia have about 550 total yards in this one. one. If, if they get that to a big league four quarter, they'll, they'll, they'll pull the reins in. in. They won't try to go all out to pad the stats, so to speak. Yep. Got you. Well, Dash, appreciate it, man. We'll, uh, we'll, I say, We'll look forward to Saturday. I don't know how many people <laughs> watching this are really looking forward to Saturday. They're just looking forward to Sunday when this one's done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. See what's going to happen. All right, buddy. Have a good one. All right, that is Anthony Dasher, UGASports.com. Does a great job covering the Bulldogs and uh, certainly encourage you guys to go over there. I did a Q&A with them that ran on their site this morning. As complete a coverage as you're going to find, not just uh, about Georgia, but, I mean, anywhere in the Rivals Network. And they, you know, do some stuff about the opponent and break down numbers and all that. They do a great job over there at UGASports.com. And, uh, look, guys, this is, like I've said this a number of times this week, this feels like some of the games I grew up watching where Nebraska and Oklahoma would, would come into town or Missouri would go to Lincoln or Norman, and you would just go, well, there's I, – I can't invent a scenario. I, I, I can't come up with a way Missouri wins this game. I mean, even if you listen to Eli Drinkwitz on Tuesday, you know, he, he kind of said, hey, we were in this with them till halftime last year, and then we kind of fell apart and we didn't stay in it. He said, so – we need to stay in it for longer. Um, and, and that's not saying that he is not trying to go down there and win the game. Of course he is going down there and trying to win the game. Everybody does. And and I thought it got a little over the top and a little insulting, some of the questions about, hey, facing the number one team in the country and all that. I mean, you know, Missouri, hey, they're a Division One college football, SEC football team too, so they're going to go take their shot. But it's just hard to invent any scenario where – not only where Missouri pulls an upset in this one, but but really even where Missouri is in kind of position to have a chance to pull the upset. Um, you start in, 
I say you're starting a freshman or a redshirt freshman. We don't know that for sure yet. Missouri's uh, injury report is going to be out later Thursday afternoon. It may be out by, by the time some of you all hear this if you're listening on the podcast. It is our expectation that Connor Bazelak will be listed on that injury report and probably be listed as not playing, uh, which means we expect. And, look, I'm not breaking news here. I'm not giving away inside information because I don't have it. But I've said all week, I kind of expect Brady Cook to be the starter. I expect Tyler Macon probably to get some action. But you are either way playing a guy who has never started a college football game at quarterback. Um, You've got an offensive line that is average to a little below average, facing the best defensive front, not just in college football this year, but like in a long time. You heard Dash talk about it. And uh, it's just hard to invent a scenario. But, hey, that's why they play games. Um, It would be the biggest upset in college football this week. It would be, frankly, maybe the biggest upset in college football this year. Uh, But there's really no downside for Missouri. If you go lose 56-7, to so what? You're supposed to lose 56-7. to I, I don't really think it matters. Um, so we talked about this yesterday. You'd like to see Eli Drinkwitz be a little more aggressive. Hey, trick plays all over the place. Tyler Beatty at Wildcat. Do do anything you've got to do. Take every shot to to just see what happens. And and maybe you come out of this one with some positives. We'll we'll have to uh, wait and see. So thanks to Anthony Dasher. Um, speaking of coming out of things with a positive. You always want to come out of your investments with the positive, right? When, when the little plus sign is next to, next to it, when you look it up on, on the website, that's always better than the minus sign. Well, if you want that to happen, you need to get in touch with Stuart, jo- Stuart Eastman at Edward Jones. Uh, Stuart offers all kind of investment services, whether you're trying to save for college, whether you just want to protect the assets you already have, whether you're looking to grow, whether you're looking to kind of budget and do some smart spending stuff. Stuart and Edward Jones can help you out with all of that stuff. Uh, he's been handling uh, my retirement planning here for I, well over 10 years. I, I know that. And I can uh, personally vouch that, that he does a great job. Customer service is excellent. He will answer any questions you have, and uh, he's, he's a big Mizzou football guy. I'm sure he'd be willing to talk to you about that a little bit, uh, you know, when you've got some time. So encourage you to get in touch with Stuart Eastman at 573-817-3108. Appreciate him and Edward Jones for being a part of this show every week this year. Appreciate Anthony Dasher for joining us this time around. Um, tomorrow afternoon we'll have our pick show. 11 a.m. kick on Saturday, which means a 9.30 pregame with uh, me and Mitchell Forty will join me. So uh, that's what we've got the rest of the week. Appreciate you guys hanging out. We'll talk to you later on.